Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Every action you take to help the late talkers in your life is important. As you listen and take in the advice on this show, always remember that the fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another language facilitation coaching and Q&A video. I was just having a little sip of my tea. I wanted to share the message on my mug. It is live less out of habit and more out of intent. Um, and, you know, what's so interesting about that it is it's something that I try to live by um, because I have found that sometimes there are habits that I get into that keep me stuck. And so I want to change those habits. I want to see differences in them. And that's what I coach for the people on my platform. So thank you so much for joining me today. My name again is Marcy Melzer. I'm an intuitive, a speech language pathologist and a language facilitation coach and consultant. And my Waves of Communication platform is equipped and designed, equip and empower you. <laughs> I'm just excited about today's topic um, because it's a big one and it's one that um, causes people to quit. One of the reasons that language facilitators decide, decide to give up the job is because they are working hard and doing things and their kids stop talking. And um, they don't know why. They don't. They think it doesn't work. They reject the method. Um, and they don't even really know why. And that's all about mindset things. Now, remember, there are reasons that kids stop talking and kids are late talking and they're all different for each one of the kids. And today on this video, what I'm going to be doing as far as information is I'm going to be answering three questions for you surrounding this topic. And these are the questions you need to dig in and find the answers to about your own situation to see your way out of it. And these are the questions. I even made a graphic for you. The first question we're going to talk about is why do kids stop talking? These are language facilitator kids, late talkers or talkers. Why do they stop trying to use spoken language and revert back to nonverbal? Um, the second thing we're going to answer today is what is necessary for speech to emerge after kids stop talking? So they tried, they stopped, and how do we get things restarted? What is necessary in the lay talker's life and experience for that to happen? And that's important for you to know because it's important for you to do that to equip the lay talker. And the third thing we're going to be talking about is how can language facilitators overcome blockages and get the speech progress going? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to get into all three of those questions. And just so you also know, this is a live Q&A session. So if you have questions or comments about this topic, you're welcome to put them in the comments of this video, wherever you're watching live. Even on the replay, you're welcome to put questions. I have one question already gathered for the end of this video, so stick around to the end to hear that mom talk about why her child is not wanting to play with her. And we're going to get into that because that's another thing that kids choose to stop doing. So let's get started without further ado. There are three main reasons. While there are many, many kinds of reasons, in my experience working with families, especially families who I've been working with after I stopped seeing the children directly. So I'm just coaching parents who, who work with their own kids or take their kids to other therapies maybe. Um, <clears throat> and these kids have started showing interest in spoken language, and then temporarily they stop, they regress. A lot of parents see this as what they call a regression because the kids were saying more words, you could count more words, you could hear more words coming out of their mouth, and now that number has gone down. So there are three main reasons that people see this, what is called and, and might call it, even professionals might call this a regression, okay? 
I don't call it a regression because what I do is I call it a sign, an indication that something needs to change because if what's going on isn't working anymore, then you need to change what's going on. So here is the number one reason and not these are not in any particular order and your child could be experiencing one or more of these. So here's the first one I want to talk about and that is that kids will always revert back to nonverbal communication when the natural spoken language learning system is blocked. We're talking about physical blockages, environmental blockages, and mindset blockages. And I've talked all about, even on the video that I did yesterday, I laid out another video that shares exactly how to identify if one or more of these blockages is going on. Because remember, this child previously was on track. They were listening. They were experimenting with speech. They were trying to say words and they were motivated to do all of that. And because the spoken language is stopped or reduced, you can bet on it being one or more of these factors that has changed something has changed it was working good now it's not working good okay so you have to consider each one of these and you can look at any one of those videos to figure out why to do it because remember speech always flows when it's not blocked and there are many many things that can block it so that's the very basics and a lot of people are like, okay, maybe there's an increase in ear infections because we've had seasonal allergies and now maybe the seasonal allergy time is gone, but your late talker is recovering from the speech that they missed while their ears were plugged up. Maybe you've moved. Maybe there's a new baby in the family. Maybe you've had a big change in schedule. Maybe there's lots of things that change in your life that trigger blockages. Okay, so... Think about what's changed in your life. If you have no idea what physical, environmental, or mindset thing has changed, just look at your schedule of your life and see what has changed in a pretty big way to fundamentally change how you do things. Are you in a hurry now? Is your Like I said, it's time, it's resources, whatever has changed communication is going to change with it. Okay. So, and if it was working and we need to restart, that's why things could stop. Let's look at the second reason. And this is true of kids will stop expanding their speech. So maybe they learned how to label things and that's good enough. And then they'll quit doing more than that. Or maybe they're even nonverbal and they're pointing and they didn't used to point, but now they're pointing at exactly what they want or they're pantomiming a little bit more. They've evolved, but it's not continuing to evolve. We can say this as a stop in progression, not necessarily a regression, but a comfort zone, a reason kids get stuck, that kind of situation. And you might hear less because this is a comfort zone where the child knows you know the words and you're not prompting them, so they're just not saying them. So, and again, their attempts at spoken language are reinforced without the facilitation of expanded conversation, which means that they know you know what they're talking about when they use the single word or when they use this plus, you know, an exact point plus uh, uh, mama, 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 right? They'll say one word with the exact um, thing they give. And you're so excited they're saying mama that you're not expanding. You're just re responding. Oh, it's better than it was before. So I'm responding to that. This is an environmental blockage that people create without realizing it. Now you're reinforcing, oh, I know. Remember, whenever you think in your head, I know what he wants, that's you guessing based on history, based on nonverbal behavior, based on whatever. That lay talker hasn't gone to the effort to expand their communication to tell you, you just know it. And if you respond when you just know it, they're going to say, okay, why should I expand? You already know. 
You think in your head, I know the lay talker believes that too. So if you just keep good job, good job, good job, good job, they're going to be like, all right, this is it. This is all they want is this level of what I'm doing, which isn't true. You want more. That's why you're watching this video. You feel like progress is stopped or regressed. So the reason it's happened is because you also potentially have become complacent with the lay talkers next level beyond because they're better, but they're still not improving. So remember, they'll quit when you quit. That's why yesterday's video was so important, okay? The number three reason that kids will stop talking, kids who were interested before and then decide to stop, they'll stop expanding their speech because they'll stop moving up the evolution when their attempts at spoken language are reinforced. Whoops, with, I, that's what I saw before. I did number three before number two. Number two, sorry, which it should be number three, is kids who are in active learning mode will stop talking. So I guess maybe this could be number three because it doesn't matter. It, they all potentially happen at the same time. So it is that the kids who are in active language learning mode will stop talking because they realize their own vocabulary is too limited. Like they know that they don't know enough. See, they don't know that you know what they're talking about because that number three we haven't talked about yet. Or maybe they do because you're not reinforcing you're not reading their mind. You're not saying you have expectations because all you're doing is modeling, but you're also have expectations. You leave space for that late talker to jump in and ask. You don't say, you don't prompt either. You don't have to. And this is where a lot of people get stuck and they think, well, if they quit, they're needing me to prompt them more. And that's because they're prompt dependent. That's why that's the other video that I talked about yesterday, right? Because the thing is, when your kids get dependent on you to do more work than them, that's what they do. They stop because you're doing more work. You're saying, um, you know, what happened, what an example of this is the late talker saying cookie and you giving them the cookie and they're like, great, you know, what else? And they they look at you expectantly and you're like, yeah, you want this chocolate cookie because they're, they're already prompting you to talk more. And so you are. And so you are. And so you're telling them stories and you're giving in details and you're going into a whole bunch more about this thing. I'm giving you your water in the yellow cup that you like best. And I also know that you like the warm or room temperature or cold water. I know you like that cold water. You like cold water when you want water. So I'm going to go ahead and give you cold water. You told me by coming in here and telling me that you're thirsty and you want water. And these are the words that are all around that thing. Now, while you're giving all those words, the late talker is going to be quiet. They're going to be like, yes, yes, yes. Yes, you're right. Uh-huh. You do know. And you're going to get because at this point you're talking while you're doing at the same time you're doing. Right. We're going to get into the strategies later. But if you are not or if you are, they could be talking less because they're like, hey, listening's good. My mom is giving me more. When I come and give her this, she doesn't just open it like number three happens or the one I just talked about before, you're not just responding. You're actually saying, oh, I know what you want. You want this and this and this and this. And they're like, yes, I do. Thank you for saying that. Now I'm learning. Now I'm learning. Now I'm learning. But they're not talking. You see, they're learning what this vocabulary is. They missed it before when they were blocked. Physically, environmentally, or mindset was blocked. They weren't even listening. They weren't even learning. Maybe they couldn't even listen or learn. Now they can. Those blockages are over. How are you moving forward? Are you prompting or no prompting and responding? Because even if you just respond to those things, that's also prompting. You're just prompting them to keep doing the same. You're not expanding. 
remember, that's what number three says, that you are reinforced without the facilitation of expanded conversation. That's what, when number three happens, that's maybe why I was universally guided to click on it different. When number three, when you give that up and you start talking more, the kids will also stop talking because they're listening. So remember, it's not always a bad thing when you hear fewer words because what you want is the right words the right way at the right time not just speech on demand that's robotic stuff that's programmed stuff the speech you're facilitating is the speech that comes from this child's heart and mind that they are coming up with that you are facilitating in this process all right. So I hope all that made sense. I know it was a little bit confusing because I got the two and three mixed up, but you have to see how these blockages will sneak into your habits and your behaviors. So let's talk about what's next. What is necessary? What is necessary to turn things around when kids stop talking? So it doesn't matter which one or ones of those three reasons are going on with the late talker. Maybe they still had physical blockages. What's necessary to turn things around? Number one, the basics. This is what it takes to learn to talk for any human on the planet. Okay. They need to be healthy. They need to have good hearing, good enough to hear people's speech when they talk slow and carefully and with loud you know, spoken language. They need to be able to comprehend and hear what you're saying, right? Now, they can comprehend it when you have connection because you're connecting two to three hours per day in the language facilitation zone. Even your nonverbal communication habits or your verbal communication habits, when you say come here, when you say go in, when you come in the room every morning at 6 a.m., these are your communication habits. And when you are two to three hours a day connecting with the late talker, consciously producing these communication patterns, language, right, that you are producing, that you are modeling, right, that's when they can pick it up. Now, the other thing that's necessary is it has to be easy language models, not just any words, but the words, the right words, the right way at the right time, the words that relate to your joint experience. They can't just be Joey say this without that experience going on right then. They're not going to be able to apply it. It's not going to compute for long term. It's just going to be a reactive response. She wants me to say it. I'm going to say it, right? So then number four, and this is the biggie, that a lot of parents forget that it is your job to facilitate in order to get this late talker motivated is you got to facilitate their confidence to try using a brand new language, a brand new way to communicate give up what has been working for them in their comfort zone and try something new. You've got to motivate their confidence to do that. Not just with you, but with everybody. Okay. Because remember, these are the things that are missing. They're not healthy. They can't hear. They're not connecting with you either because they're choosing not to or you're not facilitating that connection in a way that they enjoy. Remember, they don't choose to connect with you. The connection doesn't count. You putting time aside to structure your speech time doesn't count for connection, but giving them a kiss on the cheek for five seconds and telling them how much you love them before you send them off to school or daycare, that counts. That counts, you see. It's the connection that you are together with the late talker thinking about the same thing at the same time. They're thinking about missing you. You're thinking about missing them. They're thinking about drinking this water. You're thinking about giving them this water to drink. They're thinking about opening this stuck thing. You're thinking about why do I need to open it or how is this child's, why is it stuck or what tools do they need, right? This is the same at the same. 
and that's what's necessary, okay? And that's because, read this carefully, kids need to be both equipped and empowered. They don't just need the language models. They need the confidence to try them, to take advantage of the learning opportunities that you're going to create with your targeted language models. They need that equipment and empowerment to learn the words they need for what they're thinking about and then go try to use them. Okay, so this is what you're going for. This is what you're going for. The lay talker to feel every day, both equipped and empowered through your efforts, through your generous time and language models that you are giving to them at least two to three hours every single day. Okay, so that's what it takes. It takes time, it takes connection, and it takes less out of habit and more out of intent. It takes you thinking about how you're communicating the right way, the right words, which words, what does this late talker need to hear me saying? The right words. How do they need to hear me saying it the right way? And when? is the ideal time for them to learn this language in the moment of your joint activity, okay? Now, for a late talker who has stopped, this is true for every late talker, and you've not, if you're watching my videos for a while, this is not the first time you've heard these strategies. You might've even already clicked off because, oh no, she's saying it again, because this is the key. This is the key. They have to feel both equipped and empowered. All right, so let's get into the last question I'm going to answer on this video before I get into Q&A, and that is how can facilitators become, overcome these blockages, physical mindset and environmental, and get the speech progress going? How do we do it? I actually have five strategies for you, so let's get into them. Number one, identify the cause of the blockage physical, environmental, or mindset, and address the issue together with the late talker. So this is also one of the things that a lot of parents do. Well, of course, if I see that they've got ear infections, I'm going to start making appointments with my homeopathic, with my chiropractor, with my ENT, with my allergist, with whoever, right? Now, from the time that you decide they need to see the doctor, before you call the doctor, talk to the late talker about it. Before you decide if they need a dose of their medicine, before you go to the cabinet, talk to the late talker about it. Before you decide if they need a shower or a extra percussion on their chest or a jumping time or whatever, before you initiate that remedy, you a talk to the late talker about it. Get them to buy into, this is what we're going to try to feel better and get over this. If they're addicted to technology, talk to them about why you're offering the alternative. I think we spend too much time with this. Let's find something better. Let's find something better. They're not going to believe you that you have anything better until you show them, but at least you let them know that you're trying to find something better for them. And if you have ever shown them something better before to get them out of obsession or addiction or whatever they're stuck on that's keeping them away from you and connected with something else or someone else, find out what it is that they're looking for and be part of that and show them how you are better because you can teach them about this thing. You don't just get to be the exposure like a, a video. You can teach them the concepts. The reason they're going to these sources is because they wanna learn. And when you show them how easy it is to learn from you, they'll give up other stuff that's taking them away from you, okay? So this is how you do it. When you start to problem solve these things, work with them, they will show you. They, this child will show you what they want and need that's going to make them feel better and get engaged and connected with you. If you get out of your own head of how do I solve this problem with what remedy do we need and you connect, they'll tell you. They'll tell you because remember, this is a child who previously experienced everything in the right way. 
They heard you talking to them. They know how you can connect with them. They see how you can talk about exactly what they are thinking when you are not in your old habits of I got to say blah, 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 and do whatever this therapist said and do what you feel just feels right when you connect with the late talker. Okay. So it's not as hard as you think to overcome these blockages when you connect with the late talker because they will tell you how to overcome them. Okay. Number two, you have to analyze your current communication levels. Now, this is what you can use the workbook for. This is the workbook. And you can analyze each one of the levels, but you have to do it in detail. You can't just say, my child's at level four. In your head, you have to know, why is my child at level four? What behaviors, what communication behaviors am I seeing on a regular basis when I connect with my child to three hours a day, four times, whatever you are keeping track of? That's what you do is you analyze these levels. He's doing this because of this. I see this. That means it's level X. I see this behavior. That means he's regressed or he's gone down. I hate that word regression. We all move up and down in our levels every day based on these triggers, these blockages that come in. And mindset blockages don't go away forever. They sneak back in and physical blockages sneak back in every allergy season. You always have to be aware about that. Okay. Is this what is blocking the process? If you see a change, it's up to you to figure out why and then figure out what level are we? Because if you have moved up or down, if the child's levels have moved up or down and you aren't aware and keeping track of where you are, if they move up and you're not ahead of them, they'll stay stuck. If they've moved down and you're too far ahead of them, then they'll give up because it's too hard. Or if you move down and you go below them and start doing the same old, same old prompting again and they need more language from you, they also will go down in their levels. They quit trying. Because remember, we're assessing four different levels in the workbook, four different levels. You're assessing their, let me just show you an example of one of my workbook pages that has levels. This is the level of connection with the language facilitator. This is the first thing you have to analyze. Remember, because the connection is what's necessary for you to understand what the late talker even wants you to talk about. So if you see this connection going down, guaranteed the other ones are going to go down. And when you see this one going up, now you know you've got fuel for the other ones. Here is the levels of spoken language expression. There are details, little ones here. And then in the workbook, there's like a half a page on each one of these levels to tell you more in detail so you know for sure. Now they could be waffling between, but remember spoken language is not linear. It happens, we learn things and then we get triggered or we get emotional and we forget and we forget to use the language. We remember, use your words. Remember, we forget sometimes to use our words when we're emotionally triggered and we say and do things we don't mean, right? If we're being judged, if you're judging every single output, instead of looking at the trends of the behavior of the late talker, then you're gonna find that you're not giving them what they need because that connection is necessary for you to figure out what they need. I can't even tell you what they need. They will. They'll tell you. All right. So that's just number two. You have to figure out where they are and what they're doing now. And that's how you know what to do moving forward. Number three, look for patterns in their messages. If you don't know what they're trying to communicate because they quit saying words, look back to the patterns in their nonverbal communication because their ideas haven't changed, just their spoken language output and confidence has. That's what's taking the hit here. They quit trying. They don't feel successful. Okay. So, Look for what, why that's going on. They're going to tell you what they're upset about. They're going to tell you what they need more of. They're going to tell you what they're curious about and they want to explore. And they're going to tell you what they're resistant to, what they think is too baby-like or too hard. 
they're going to tell you through their behavior three plus times a day makes a pattern, especially if you see it three or more days in a row. Look for these patterns. And it's very, very important that you think about what is the late talker trying to communicate with me? Because that's the number four strategy. And here's what it is. Number four, model easy phrases that empower them to get back into speech because they're already dragging you to the other room to say, come here. So that's the thing you say, come here. They're dragging you around five or six times a day. That's five or six times a day you can model. Come here, come mama, come with me, come in the living room, come in the bedroom, come in the bathroom, come watch me, come see this, come show me, right? Model those phrases. That's what they need to get them through this stuff. They're non-verbally asking for what they need. Give them the verbal language to even ask you for what they need, okay, before you give them that, all right? And then, you're, again, you're combining labels that you already know they know with these phrases that empower them, right? Mama, come here. And they're directive phrases. Open this box. Open this so I can eat a cookie. Open this because it's stuck. Open this, I've tried a hundred times. I failed, it's stuck, I need your muscles, right? Open this, more please, right? That's always where they go because that's what the kids want more of. But remember, you're not gonna model that unless they're asking you for, I want more. Like let's say they're playing with the water and you're spraying them down with the hose and they love it and they want more of that. That's a really important time to model that phrase, more please, because they're flapping like crazy trying to get you to do something again and again and again. They need that phrase, more please. And they're so excited and triggered and stuck in their nonverbal communication that they're not gonna say it in the moment moment you can't expect they're not going to imitate these right away these are things you're modeling for them to use next time do you want the speech to come back and they're the only ones that are going to decide when to bring speech back into their communication experience they gave it up to go back to nonverbal communication you want them to choose to use the words you got to give them words that are going to empower them words they can use not just fun words. When kids are stuck not talking, you got to give them words they need. I need to say this. Then they will. Then they, that's motivating. Right? Look at that. Look at that. How many times do you say that in your late talker's world? I promise you they're trying to say that to you 50 times a day. Look at me. Watch me, help me, see what I'm doing, come here, right? And then as many times as they're trying to get your attention and get you to look at them, they are equally trying to get you to go away and leave them alone and don't do this and I'm done, no more, no thank you, yuck, I'm out of here. It's not my thing, right? Equally as many times, they could be begging you for things and pushing you off in a day. That's your opportunity because they haven't stopped communicating with you. They just stopped talking, okay? And you gotta re-empower that speech by giving them words they need. And that's what this is gonna do. All right, here's number five. Talk about what you are thinking, remember? So we give the kids the words they need to motivate them to come out of their nonverbal requests, which they're using 24 seven, and start to talk about their requests. But especially if your child has been at level four for a while, they need you to start giving them examples of how talkers talk, how make it look easy, make it look easy. Just talk about what you are thinking. When you're in the zone and connected with that child, you are having the same experience together and the lay talker is listening to you. That's what the language facilitation zone is. That's all it is. It's not magical. It's just you 
focusing on the same thing at the same time and you not in your head trying to control them and them not in their head trying to control you. So you guys joint together working on the same project. Okay. Same goal in mind. Model what you want their speech to sound like. Hey, I love that you're helping me. Thank you so much for being here with me. These things that you dream your late talker would say to you. Aren't you happy that they're together with you? Aren't you happy that they're cooperative? Aren't you pleased that they're listening to every single word and sound you're saying? Right? Aren't you? Aren't you happy that they're trying harder? You know, I know you might also be frustrated that they're not talking very much. And you could feel sad about that. These are things potentially that you can find moments to talk with the lay talker about. But remember, they're not going to care about you being sad about them not talking because there's reasons that they're not talking, that they're sad that you're not responding to. You potentially triggered this. And if you're sad because it happened, the best thing for you to do is take it on to yourself to just demonstrate what it looks like in the right way. Okay? So I hope these were helpful for you because the only reason that kids stop talking is because they feel like they can't do it. They feel like it's stuck. They feel like the words are won't even come out of their mouth. That nothing's working right. Remember, just like I said yesterday on that mindset video, the people who decide to quit language facilitation altogether, they just feel like it's not working for them. You don't want your late talker to feel like speech is just not working for me. It's just not working. No, thanks. I'm going to go back to the stuff I know. I got other things to think about. I'm learning to read. I'm learning to ride bikes. I'm learning to swim. I don't need talking right now. I get through the day just fine, right? And if that's where you're stuck because this late talker is like talking's not important to me that's your job as the facilitator to show the late talker how important speech is and they're not gonna do it because you think it's important they do it because they think it's important because they watch you using speech effectively to connect with them to connect with other people not to boss them around and make them do things your way but to find out how they want to do things and help them evolve their own skills, turn them into college kids or, or adults even. Just turn them into adults. Help them be like you. And they will. They want to. They don't want to be pushed around and manipulated, and they don't want to do it to you either. But that's often where people find themselves when kids stop talking. So remember, if you aren't talking a whole lot, the kids need more language models from you. And don't stop when they stop. Your job is to change. Just change. You don't even necessarily have to talk more, depending on how much you're talking now. I gave you the guidelines. Two to three hours a day, over time, connected, interactive speech. And that's how this goes. All right. So I do have a Q&A. We have language facilitation coaching and Q&A. And I have a few more minutes left before my hour is up on my coaching call. So if you have a question about your late talking journey, this is the time and you're watching live. You can post it. Um, also, again, you're welcome to post on the replay. So I got a question this past week from a mom who has a late talker who does not like to pretend play. He gets mad or annoyed. Um, do we keep trying with pretend play or do we move to other activities with him? So the first thing here is, you know, it's, it's obvious he's mad or annoyed with your pretend play. Now, I'm not going to say this kind of a statement makes me think throw the baby out with the bathwater, like pretend play is bad. And this is where if you were working with me, I would say, send me a video. Send me a video of that pretend play experience. And so because you're not working with me, you can do it for yourself. Take a video of your pretend play experience and see what is it that you do that triggers this child to be annoyed? Is it the way you talk? Is it how much you talk? Are you talking above them or below them? Are they just not interested in the subject matter? Were they doing something else and you distracted them away from that to do your pretend play? Because all those things could potentially be annoying. 
right? We have to think about this from the late talker's perspective because I don't know why he's annoyed. You've got to figure out why he's annoyed. If you showed me a video, I could tell you why he's annoyed just from the experience. So you can figure that out. Now, when you figure out why he's annoyed, you have to address that with him. Now, the other thing that this mom said is that her late talker really loves flashcards. He grabs them and looks at them and they read the word on the flashcard to him. And this is an activity that he enjoys. Now, this is a passive activity and not an activity that is facilitating speech, functional speech. This is a entertainment activity. The child can predict what you're gonna say he sees the picture he sees that it's got letters above it he sees it's a cup and you say cup because you're touching or touching the word or touching the letters or however you're doing it i don't know how you're doing this flashcard activity but he loves it in fact he loves it so much he goes to get them and look at them by himself what do you think he's doing in his head he's looking at the thing and he's thinking he's in himself this is cup and that's the word or the letters or whatever you called it this is the word for the cup right you showed him this is what we do so what is he doing all by himself remember there no there's no talking involved here this is just me in my head experiencing what i experienced it's exactly the same thing that kids do with videos right they go watch the video memorize the thing and then they want to experience the thing again themselves and they don't have the video like he doesn't have you but he's got these cards and he can go himself and go like this and he's just thinking in his head about all the things that you've said now is it useful for him can he use it for anything else besides that activity no not really so what i would do even what a speech therapist, what I used to do in speech therapy when kids liked flashcards, is you have to pretend play with flashcards. There has to be something else you do with them that connects or bridges over this idea of, I like to know what this is and know that there's a printed word about it. And I, it's fun to know I'm expanding because it's not only the picture, but it's the, the noise that I heard cup that means it's a cup and it also has this C-U-P. So there's three things I'm learning. I'm learning the picture. I'm relating and connecting and filling up all my little file cabinets with all the vocabulary I need. But again, you go to play pretend play and you're, here's my cup. I've got my cup full of tea. And he's like, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's no printed word. There's no single word. That's not how we play. We play. I bring you the cards, you say the word, you label a thing. That's the flashcard game. This other thing that you're trying to do, no thank you. I don't like, it's different, it's new. Mm, no, 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 I don't like it, I don't like it. And that's what happens, that's what happens. They get so hooked on, oh, I know exactly what's gonna happen when they sing Baby Shark or when you say all the names on the flashcards and they do that stuff. That's exactly what happens. It becomes predictable and expected and then it doesn't evolve. It just stays stuck. And then you're like telling all these stories and doing all this stuff and it's like, that's good for you, mom, but where's the whatever? You keep reinforcing because every time it brings it to you, you just keep doing the same, the same, the same, the same. That's this problem that we talked about here. What happens when you start just reinforcing this behavior without expanding it? That's what we talked about. Why kids stop expanding? Because you stop expanding. You can't do the same flashcard game. You have to learn ways to expand. Now, on my channel, I have both flashcard activities and pretend play activities and functional activities like bath time, riding in the car, going to the playground. Remember, it's not around the vocabulary you're teaching, which is what books and flashcards are limited to. Um, unless 
they're broad. So like if you get flashcards and they're all just labels of things, books are better because they have scenes where you can see how things interact with each other. It's not just here's a cup and then here's a couch and then here's a banana. And then you have to sort them. A banana is something you eat and a cup is something you you in the kitchen and a screwdriver is a tool and all these things. And none of that helps a child use spoken language. I mean, it helps them learn and categorize and expand their vocabulary, but it's not going to teach them to talk. It's not going to teach them to talk. But it is also super reinforcing every time you go, good job, good job, good job. You know all the words and you now you know the words and you know which ones they are. You know what they sound like because when I say the word, you can point it. And now you can even match the printed word to the cup. You're learning, 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 and they're learning all kinds of stuff. They are. But it's not spoken language, moms and dads. It's not speech. It's concepts and vocabulary and they're filling all that up and yeah you might need to do a lot of that kind of activity especially for new language learners those kids that are between or under three years old if they're under three you're gonna find yourself doing a lot of this because kids don't know colors they don't know letters they don't know what that's called they don't know the tools they don't know the names of those things. The reality is they'll learn them as you use them, but they won't learn them until you have those experiences. And remember, they're learning a ton of vocabulary all at the same time. That's why they like books and flashcards and they sit and they read and they review. It's they're studying. They're studying. They're, they're filling up their file cabinets full of the words they like. And they'll bypass the ones they don't. Think about how you learn a foreign language. First, you learn the words you need. Then you will learn the words you like. And those are the ones you use for a while until somebody go puts you in a new experience. And you're like, I don't know the vocabulary for that. I've never been like, take my car to the auto shop. Now I've got to learn what, you know, estimate is in that language. And I've got to learn all these vocabulary around that experience that I didn't know before. This is what I'm trying to get you with this workbook to help you out guys, okay? All right, I see some questions coming in, that's great. And before I get to them really quick, I want to remind everybody that you can access my workbook now in four different languages. You can get it in, or three, because it's English and then there's an English UK version, that's the first two. And then there's Spanish and now Hindi is available. So if you're in South Asia, go to notionpress.com and look for my name and you'll find it. And then it's coming out on Amazon in the next day or two, it should be on amazon.in, but Notion Press is the main publisher and they're putting it onto that platform. So just keep tuned, if you don't see it today, Day, check tomorrow and check the next day. They said it's going to be two to three days. Um, Flipkart is another place that it's supposed to be out through on Notion Press. And those are going to be limited releases only for about six months. Then you're just going to have to go back to the Notion Press website, which is also very user friendly and they ship to you and stuff and all that. So um, now you can get the workbook everywhere. Everybody can get it. No excuse to not have it. You don't even have to read the Kindle version, but there is also a Kindle version um, in English. All right. So let's get to these questions for today. Jesus says, hi, Marcy, we're using your strategies with our kid. He doesn't like pretend play, gets mad or annoyed. Do we keep trying with pretend play or move to other activities? That's what we just talked about. So the activity is, we just talked about it. The No, you don't do anything your child doesn't like. If it isn't fun, it isn't fun. Don't try to make something that your child doesn't like fun. Nobody appreciates that. It's annoying. It's annoying. I know you don't like this, but now we've got to sit for 20 minutes and do it. How many times have you been super excited and motivated to expand when you hear that? Okay. Now, I know that there are elite level Olympians who try to, you know, take on the fact that they've got a no pain, no gain and all of that. But that's not the language facilitation way. The language facilitation is not no pain, no gain. It is just do it. And if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. Just do it, it's Nike. So I just got to use my own. If it isn't fun, it isn't fun. If it isn't fun, quit. Just change. Just pivot. You have all the choice and all of the control in your late talking journey. You can quit anything. You can quit anything. You can quit school. You can quit therapy. You can quit a doctor. You can quit anything. Trust me. I know. I've done it myself. Okay. Is there any point or indicator that a speech or language processing problem could be present and should it be considered? 
the reality is, Lori, well, let's put this back up. The reality is, Lori, that language processing is a factor in every late talker. They're all processing language potentially more slowly than other people are. It's true for about 20% of the population. So you can just assume, go ahead and just assume that your child's language processing is likely slower than average. Now, the good news about this is that language facilitation is designed to facilitate neuroplasticity, okay? And so with the right kind of effort, remember what it takes to change brains. If you really believe that your child needs more time because their language processing is slow and your slow speech models and careful speech models are working because you see a difference in their response between blah, 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 speech and look at me and let's talk about this cup ready let's talk if your child reacts differently in a positive way they're like oh they you know they literally are thank god you slowed it down you kept it for me you're at my level we're connected now if you see that light go on in your child's face when you're communicating you can pretty much assume that you are triggering neuroplasticity. That joy is dopamine flowing through the neurons in your kid's brain, getting that processing speed working and up to snuff and going faster and faster every day because it it's not linear. It's experiential. They have to experience this feeling of, I get you, I understand you. I get you, I understand you. I get you, I hear, I yes, I agree, I understand, I compute, I compute, I compute, I compute. It has to happen a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times, two to three hours a day. And then it happens. So it's okay to think about that as a potential physiological blockage because we're talking about physical nerves and dopamine and things that you can actually hold and measure, right? And the reality is that's what you're trying to facilitate. You're trying to create physical change through your activities and the neurological system is set up for it. That's what all the studies show is what it takes. That's why I told you those three things it takes. You got to have a healthy child who can hear. You got to have motivation to try and you got to have the right language models. That's all you got to have. That's all. And it'll increase. It'll improve. It does in kids. It does. And you don't need special stuff. You just need you. Okay. Now, Megan says, my late talker has been very irritable and uncomfortable waiting for his tube surgery and his daycare wants me valid for autism, but the doctor said it's not that good for your doctor. We are, they are pushing. It's frustrating. Yeah, of course. It's extremely discouraging and I feel it's taking me out of connecting with him and focusing on just having fun. I'm constantly worried and stressed. How do I tone it out? Yesterday's video, yesterday's video, Megan, I did, um, I'm going to put this back up there so you can see. It is super, super discouraging, everybody, when you're pressured by other people to put pressure on your child and do these things. And they make you feel stupid. They make you feel negligent. Ugh, it's ugly. Wait till you see the upcoming video that I've got with Jen, who literally had an IEP team illegally evaluate her child and present her with a diagnosis at an IEP meeting that she did not agree to any of the data collection or the stuff that they were doing. And they say it's part of their process and whatever, but she never agreed to this testing. And they, and they tried to, you know, make her, I do it. I just saw it on a speech therapy board as I was scrolling Facebook because I'm in them just because I used to be a speech therapist. And they complain about parents who are in denial about their recommendations and who refuse even after they say it in every single meeting. I don't understand why they have to continue to say it in every single meeting if you've already refused once or twice or three or four times. Right. And it's it's a good indication, Megan, that these people who are pressuring you do not have your child's best interest in mind. Okay? 
And so if it's discouraging and frustrating for you, the only thing I'm going to tell you is be brave and have a choice and pull your kid out. Find someplace new. Find a church that doesn't pressure kids to go places and just watches them and lets them have social experiences. Put your kid there in daycare. Put your kid in a place that's not set up with the school district to feed them into the autism deal, you know, especially if you're being done before. And you just tell people about your child's abilities if you move them to a new daycare. And if you got to have be on wait lists and spend the summer with them at home and take a temporary leave in your job or whatever, 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 you'll find the solutions that you need. These things are breaking down because I'm just going to say it. Rejection is God's protection, guys. When you feel so bad about something that you can't do it anymore because it's just wrong for you and it and it feels like it's hurting you it makes you want to cry okay quit i'm giving you permission of 30 years in this in the system i know how the system works i know it's not good and i the whole reason i develop waves of communication is to give you alternatives moms and dads so i'm sorry that you're going through this but this is how the system is, moms and dads. This is what's going on right now. This is why I left. This is why waves of communication exist. I couldn't find a place anywhere to work that wasn't doing this <laughs> and try to make me be part of it. Yeah, I was the one who was like, what do you mean they need a developmental evaluation? We haven't even started to see why this kid is late talking and nobody's even checked their ears yet and nobody's even done all these things yet, right? And then if your child's still frustrated because he's waiting for his tubes, he's irritable and uncomfortable, spend your time right now just keeping him comfortable. Don't worry about what he's learning. Don't worry about wasting more time and having to push through an illness to try to teach your child. Because remember, they've got to feel well and hear well in order to develop spoken language anyway. But what you can facilitate in this time is your connection. Because like you said, it feels like when you're, when you're frustrated by the world, you don't want to connect with your late talker because you just feel sad and depressed because they make you feel bad about you. But remember, it's not true. None of it's true, guys. None of that's true. They're just trying to sell something for somebody. Somebody told them they need more whatever. This is how we keep kids from falling through the cracks. Don't worry. You're not letting them fall through any cracks, right? These systems were designed for parents who are not engaged with their kids, for parents who rely, who can't parent, who are themselves too in their own egos or their own needs or their own struggles to be able to be an effective language facilitator. And so they, these places exist to say, nobody's facilitating anything for this child. We've got to do it. That's not true in your case. You're watching this video. You're working hard. You're seeing change in your lay talker. And these people don't want to listen to you. They don't want to believe you. You're the one that's doing all the work and they don't want to believe you. So stop talking to them. That's all I'm going to say. I'm sending you all the best because everybody, it is no fun when people tell you that, you know, you're wrong about your own kid. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. But you can turn it around. You can make it fun. And you just leave that energy. It's okay. It's okay. You can do this. And if you want guidance, you want somebody to hold your whole hand and work through you the entire way. You don't even have to wait until your kid gets the tubes. You could start language facilitation now. You don't have to wait until everything's completely solved. Get the workbook. Get started now. Because remember, listen, there are parents who have kids that will never be as good as your child is right now. Because they've got syndromes. Because they've got apraxia right? Your kid might be blah, 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 freely moving their mouth and another child's motor system is broken and they can't do it, but your child's ears are clogged and that child can hear, okay? Nobody's child is too impaired to connect with you, to learn how you are the source of their teaching and for you to be the one that they turn to when they struggle. 
so that you can show them how to grow up and be independent and solve their problems and feel better without you someday, right? You wanna raise adults. That's what we're doing here with language facilitation. I hope all this makes sense, you guys. And if you're late talker, stop talking. I hope it's for the good reason. I hope it's because you're just talking and giving them so much language that they're absorbing and smiling and radiating that light at you. Like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I'm filling my cabinets with phrases that empower me, with things I can use to say, not just the same old flashcards over and over again, okay? If you want to get your child interested in pretend play, then you have to show them how fun it is. Not try to force them into it, not try to change them. They'll change when they want to, and it'll change on a dime. That's what's so fun about this, right? You might feel so depressed today, and it could be tomorrow is the day you hear your first pop-out words. And then you get more, and then you get more, and then you get more. Because they learn how to learn, and it grows like a spiral, okay? All right, that's it for now. Enough empowering words. Time to get to work. Thanks again for joining me, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. This tool is helping parents worldwide create non-stop language facilitation opportunities that elevate spoken language beyond even their own expectations. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.